we've been doing a mini-series called I Am. The first week we looked at I am in Christ and that our identity is found in Christ. And last week we looked at I am treasured and that who we are, I am treasured is who we are in Christ. And if you haven't heard them, I want to encourage you to go and download um, on our website both those podcasts. I know I benefited from them a lot. And I'm sure you guys will as well. So if you want to listen to those, they are on our website. But this week, I want to continue that series by looking at something that Dolan mentioned in one of his last points last week. And I don't even think he realized that I picked up on that. He said this. He said, so many of us have a perception of God as this old man with with gray long hair a stern face, and a stick. I want to ask you this morning, what is your perception? You see, for most of us, our perception of God is very often based on our perception of our earthly father and what our earthly father has portrayed to us. So for some of us, it's a warm embrace. It's a safe space. It's somewhere you can go when you've messed up. But for so many people today, it's a picture of absence, a picture of abuse, a picture of anger, and many other negative things. And as Dolan's been doing this series, I've been listening to to the song we ended with this morning. And I don't know how many of you like me, but when I find a song that I like, I listened to it over and over and over on repeat. So if you walked past my house yesterday, you would have thought that my phone was stuck or something. Because I want that to resonate. I want that to go into me. I want it to become a part of me because it is so powerful. And I believe that that song has power this morning to set some people free. And I want to encourage you to allow that, to let it sit in you, to let it just marinate and allow you to change this morning. And for those of you who want to go and listen to it afterwards, it's called No Longer Slaves. It's by Bethel. I'm sure you can find it on, it's probably on Google, but you could find it on iTunes or all the other places. But I, said, I would encourage you to go and listen to it. It's something that just is good for my spirit, and I really believe that it will be good for yours as well. And that brings me to my message title this morning, and Cindy's going to have to man the back because I forgot the clicker on the ground. So this morning... My title of my message is, I am a child of God. I want to start this morning by telling you a little story about two kids, of a conversation between two kids. Have you guys ever been in a room? Actually, just um, between the two services, I was listening to what kids say. We were having a discussion about some kids and how they perceive things. And they can say the funniest things. I love being around kids like that because it makes me feel better about myself and it makes me laugh and it's just awesome. So, here's a conversation between two kids. Jacob says to Dave, I have a lot of my dad's genes. Dave says to Jacob, really? I bet none of them fit. If there's one thing I want you to leave with this morning, it's this. We are children of God, 
and we have his genes. But more than that, I hope that you leave here knowing that his genes were made to fit. They're a one-size-fits-all kind of gene. But here's the the awesome part. They were tailor-made for you as an individual. So if you look at the person next to you, they probably don't look much like you unless they're your family. That's because the genes that God put in you of his were tailor-made for you. I don't know what space you find yourself in at the moment, but I do know enough about genetics to know that your DNA cannot change. And you and I, as born-again Christians, have God's DNA through Jesus Christ. So no matter what you do today, tomorrow, or the next, that's never going to change. And for those of you here this morning who haven't yet given your life to Christ, when you do, do you know what happens? You're adopted into God's family. You see, Jesus signed your and my adoption papers on the day that he hung on the cross. And he signed it with his blood for every single one of us. I want to read from 1 John 3 verse 1 this morning, which says, The Father has loved us so much. This shows how much he loved us. We are called children of God, and we really are his children. But the people in the world don't understand that we are God's children because they have not known him. You see, the truth that God is our Father and that we are his children is one of the greatest revelations of the New Testament. But we cannot live like we are God's children if we don't know we are God's children. And that is my first point this morning. Because of our salvation, through Jesus Christ, you and I were adopted. And as we sang earlier, we were born again and his blood flows through our veins. We are no longer slaves to the things of the past. And Galatians 4 verse 6 to 7 says this, Since you are now God's children, he has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Now we are not slaves like before. You are God's children and you will receive everything he has promised his children. The word Abba is an Aramaic word that is translated to father. But really, that is a very loose translation. And what I want you to feel this morning and know this morning is this. It is the emotion and the familiarity associated with that word that is important. You see, when you say Abba, it is a word that contains deep connection, devotion, and affection. It's like when you hear a little kid say, Daddy. It's far more personal than Father. And that is what God is to you and I this morning. He has chosen us from our mother's wombs. In the book of Jeremiah, we find a section where God calls Jeremiah. And he says this in Jeremiah five. Uh, Jeremiah 1 verse 5, he says, Stony. Okay, cool. Before I made you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I chose you for a special work. 
I chose you to be a prophet to the nations. I believe there is someone here this morning who needs to hear this. That scripture is not only true of Jeremiah. It's true of you and I as well. God knows each and every one of us. After all, didn't he create us? And yes, he has chosen us. Let's stand up and be counted. Further on, he tells Jeremiah that he will never leave him. He will always be with him. That's not only true of Jeremiah. He's saying that to you and I this morning as well. He's never going to leave you. He will always be with you. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But the truth is, he will never leave you. We need to stop believing the lies that we are junk. I want to tell you this morning, God doesn't make no junk. And I know that sounds like a weird sentence. But really, God doesn't make junk. I want to show you a video clip this morning. But before I do, I want to start by telling you the backstory. A son one day said to his father, Dad, would you be willing to run a marathon with me? The father, despite his age and heart disease, says yes. And they run that marathon. The son says, Dad, would you run another marathon with me? Again, the father says, yes. And they run that marathon together. Then one day, the father says, Dad, will you do the Iron Man with me? Now, I don't know how many of you know, but the Iron Man is like super intense. I know a couple of guys in this town who've done the Iron Man. And they so fit, they just look skinny. Because you've got to be super fit to be able to do this. I'll explain to you now what it is. If someone said to me, will you do the Iron Man? No. I might do one of the three. Actually, only two of the three. But I will not do all three. For those of you who don't know, the Iron Man is probably the toughest triathlon that exists. It's a four-kilometer swim. But here's the thing. The stroke you start in, you have to finish it. So if you start in freestyle, you have to swim freestyle all the way through, which is probably the easiest. But that means when you're tired, because 4Ks is far, you can't lie on your back and just catch your breath and then carry on. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, you're swimming this in the sea, by the way. So it's not a flat dam. There's a current, there are waves, you constantly have water in your face. So this is the, far, the first part. Once you've done that and you're not dead yet, you then get on your bicycle, not a motorbike, get on your bicycle and use these two things to cycle 180 kilometers. And it's not on a cycle track. It is mountainous. It is there are some flat sections where you can probably breathe. There are some downhills, but it's grueling. And then once you've done that and you're not dead yet, you then finish with a 42-kilometer run. And then you're probably dead, unless you want it and you're really fit. Do you know what? Again, the dad said yes. 
We're going to watch this video clip and then I will carry on. Isn't that inspiring? Um, this isn't my notes, but as I was watching that clip, the five-mile benefit run that he asked his father to run for the first time was, in fact, for someone in his class that had been in a car accident and been injured to the extent that he needed proper medical care. So here was a kid who didn't see a problem. He wanted to be part of the solution. Um, And I don't know about you, but when I watched that clip, I saw a father who chose his son over and over and over again. You see, Rick Hoyt, who's the guy in the chair, was born with, with cerebral palsy. And that was because of a lack of oxygen at birth. His parents were told to put him in an institution and forget about him so that they could have a normal life. But they chose to give him the normal life as much as normal as they possibly could because he was their child after all. And the Hoyts are an inspiration to people all over the world for doing things that that seem impossible. But more importantly, I see devotion. I see the devotion of a father to his son. And I see the devotion of a son to his father. I see that together they can achieve so much more than what they would have on their own. And today I want to remind all of us, God chose us because we are his. We have his DNA. He is our father and we are his children. Being a child of God is the basis of our faith and trust in God. And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6:26, which says, Look at the birds. They don't plant, harvest, or save food in barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. Don't you know you are worth much more than they are? Don't you know you are worth much more than the birds. You see, God chose you and I when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for all mankind. And we read this in John 3, 16 and 17, which says, Yes, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not be lost but have eternal life. And then verse 17, which is not up there, says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son to save the world through him. Our father is devoted to us. Together, we can be what he has called us to be. But on our own, you and I are exactly like Rick Hoyt. We are strapped into a chair and we cannot help ourselves. You see, we will only fully feel alive. I don't know if you noticed there in the clip, it said, when they ran the five-mile benefit run for the first time, he didn't feel handicapped. 
You and I will only feel, not feel handicapped when God our Father is pushing our chair. Let our motto in life be Ephesians 3 verse 20, which says, With God's power working in us, he can do much, much more than anything we can ask or think of. Because when we truly believe that because we know it, then we can live it. Which is my next point this morning. You need to be able to know it to live it. When you and I truly believe that God is our Father, we begin to live very different lives. I don't know where you find yourself this morning or what you saw as your perception of God when I asked you this morning. But I want to show you the picture that Jesus portrayed for us as to who our Heavenly Father is. You see, Jesus told many parables Because I think he knew that you and I as people need to relate to stories. If you're anything like me, when someone tells a story, you actually form a picture in your mind. So you begin to listen to the story more closely because it's interesting because you're seeing a picture. And that is why I think testimonies are so powerful. Like Floyd's testimony last week. That was super powerful because I saw a picture. And this is a parable, a story that is really very close to my heart. It's the story of two brothers and their father. I'm not going to read it from scripture. I'm going to tell it to you as I see it. But if you want to leave here this morning and you want to go and reread that that parable, you'll find it in Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. But before I get into that story, I need to tell you a story about myself so that you can understand where I'm going with this. So, um, any of you that are friends with my parents, please don't go into their house and and check if I'm lying, because I promise you I'm not. You you will just look really odd if you do go into their home and start looking at stuff. But since I was smaller, I can't remember how small, I don't even remember when we discovered this really happened, but whenever my mom buys a piece of art or a painting— She puts one of three names on the back of those things or underneath it. If you walk into the house and you do have the guts to lift a painting off the wall, you will find Ingrid, Margot, and Brian. Why those three names? You might ask me. Well, because I am Ingrid and Margot and Brian are my siblings. My mom made a decision that if something should happen to her and my dad, she doesn't want us to squabble about artwork. So most of the big pieces or even the dining room table has a name underneath it or we've been told who it belongs to because she doesn't want us to make that the thing. So I completely identify with this story. I know that if nothing else, when something happens to my parents, there are a couple of paintings I'm going to get. You see, just like Brian, Margot and myself... These two brothers knew that should something happen to their dad, they would inherit whatever he had. But in this story, the younger brother decides, you know what? I'm tired of being here. 
I don't want to be here anymore. This is not good for me. I don't like this home. I don't like the circumstance. I'm out of here. But in order for me to get out of here, I need my share of the inheritance. So he walks up to his dad and he says, Dad, I've decided to leave. Can I have my share of the inheritance? Now, for those of you who don't know, in the time that Jesus was telling the story, in the Jewish custom, it was seen as dishonoring your father by asking for your inheritance before he had died. In effect, what you were actually doing is wishing him dead. But you see, this father didn't want to have an issue. So what he did was he divided the estate and the younger brother got what was his and he decided, you know what, I need to put distance between myself and this home. I don't know what his reasons for that were. Maybe he thought his father was too controlling. Maybe he thought his dad doesn't really understand him. Maybe he thought his brother was picking on him. I don't know what it was. But we all have perceptions of the way we see things. Let me tell you something. Sometimes that is your perception. The father then sees the son leave. And if it was a modern day story, because of the amount of money that he had, he probably jumped onto first class. And he flew out of there. Goodbye to that life. I'm saying goodbye to that life. No longer for me. And once overseas, he lived a royal life. He partied till late at night, slept all day, and had loads of friends. And the most important thing, he was his own boss. Nobody told him what to do. But as things should happen, he ran out of money. And you know what happens when your money dries up? So do those friends. How many of you have ever experienced something like that? If you have, I suggest you find new friends. So now this son's got no money. And he decides to do something that maybe he should have done from the start. Because we all know money doesn't grow on trees. He finds a job. But the only job available for him in this country is working for a farmer. So he understood that. He came from a farm. Working for a farmer, not as as a glamorous farm worker who stays in 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 a house, almost a shack, who stays in a house there, a nice house with water and electricity and running water, He was a farm worker who stayed with the pigs, which is what he was there to look after. And then one day, he realized something, that he was so hungry that he was eating the scraps that the pigs wouldn't even eat. And he thought to himself, you know what? Even the farm workers on my father's farm live better lives than this. I think I should go home and ask him if I can be one of his workers. Here's the surprise. When his father saw him coming, and by the way, he didn't fly back there because he had no money. When his father saw him coming, 
he ran down the road to meet him. Did you know in those days, the Jewish men who were upper class didn't run. It was frowned upon. It was, it was putting yourself in a lower class bracket. But this father didn't care. He ran to meet his son. He didn't even give his son a chance to ask the question or to fully explain. He just welcomed him back, no questions asked. His love for his son was so great that all he cared about was having him home. You see, sometimes you and I think we own the world. We can do what we want and live like we want. And then one day, we wake up in a pigsty and we don't know how we got there. So we ask God to forgive us and let us live as his servants. But God is just waiting to fully restore you and I to being his sons and daughters. His love for us is never ending. He is a lovesick father waiting every day for you and I to come and live under his roof as his children. Don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. His love never fails. So when you know it, and you're finally living it, then you can love it. Which is my last point this morning. You see, when a child is content because of when a child is content in who they are, because of whose they are, you can see a huge difference. They live life differently. There is a security in knowing their father. Now, I remember being quite little, so um, all three of us were already around for this memory. But um, we used to go to the beach for December holidays, and the rule was this. If you can see us, you can play there. So my parents would park themselves on probably the most conspicuous or inconspicuous place on the beach so that wherever we played, whether we were in the rock pools or whether we were in the waves or whether we were wherever, we could see them. As long as we could see them, we were allowed to play there. And for me, there's a key to this. Keeping our eyes on our father and mother in this case. And Romans 8 verse 15 to 17 says this. The spirit that we received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again and causes us to fear. The spirit that we have makes us God's chosen children. And with the spirit we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself speaks to our spirits and makes us sure that we are God's children. If we, have God, if we are God's children, we will get the blessings God has for his people. He will give us all that he has given Christ. But we must suffer like Christ suffered. Then we will be able to share in his glory. You see, it is the Holy Spirit that helps you and I 
keep our eyes on our Father so that we may love the life of Christ. Often we have this warped perception that as children of God we are exempt of pain. But that is not the case. Look at the Israelites and their slavery in Egypt. They were known as the children of God at the time. Then when God uses Moses to lead them out of Egypt, he uses the slavery which was intended to harm and turns it to their good. Exodus 13, 17 says, Pharaoh made the people leave Egypt. God did not let the people take the road leading to the land of the Philistines. That road by the Mediterranean Sea is the shortest way. But God said, if the people go that way, they will have to fight. Then they might change their minds and go back to Egypt. Doesn't it amaze you how God knows us? When we face the first little obstacle, we want to give up. But we don't know the blessing beyond that obstacle. You see, God knew that by taking them the shortcut, they would never receive their blessing. So can you imagine being an Israelite and you know this is the shortcut because obviously you've lived there. And, God, and Moses is taking you in a way that you know leads to a dead end. But you see, the Egyptians, got, uh, not the Egyptians, the Israelites got really negative. And they said to Moses, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians in slavery than to die in the desert. And then Moses says this awesome statement, and I really believe this is for someone this morning. He says this, but Moses answered, do not be afraid. Do not run away. Stand where you are and watch the Lord save you today. You will never see these Egyptians again. I really believe that's for someone this morning. And I want to say to you, stand and watch what God is going to do for you. Because your breakthrough is coming. You see, it was in the moment of doubt for the Israelites that God showed without a shadow of a doubt that he loves them. He split the sea. And as we sang earlier, he splits the sea so you and I can walk right through it. I don't know what armies are chasing you this morning or what obstacles are in front of you, but I want to tell you, he will split the sea so that you can walk right through it. You are no longer a slave to fear because you know what? You are a child of God. Know it, live it, love it. I am a child of God. Let's know that we are children of God. Let's live like we are children of God. And let's love being children of God. And this morning, if, if you've never given your life to Jesus, and this is all seeming a bit some, like something you don't understand, but you know your heart is, your heart is responding if that's you this morning and you're tired of wandering in the desert, tired of wondering where you fit in, tired of feeling like you're alone, this morning is your opportunity to become part of God's family. This morning is your opportunity to feel his warm embrace. He is running to meet you. He has seen you coming 
and he wants to welcome you home. So with everybody's heads bowed, if that's you this morning, won't you just let me know that you're here? I would love to pray with you. This morning, God has a divine appointment with you and he wants to show you a father's love. Then there's a second group of people here this morning. You've got a brick wall in front of you and you've got an army of Egyptians chasing you and you don't know where to turn. If that's you this morning, won't you just let me know that you are here? so that we can pray for you as well. I want to tell you this morning that God is going to set you free. God is going to break through that Red Sea so that you can walk right through it.